Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Chad here with Iraq Veteran 8888, and today we've got another gun gripe episode for you. Yes, Chad is alive. Hi there. Chad. <laughs> so, um, if you guys have been wondering where I'm at, you know, uh, I committed myself to the mental institution recently because my children are driving me insane. <laughs> no, not really. I thought it would be a great opportunity in today's gun gripe to kind of go over the 2022 election. I know it's still fresh in a lot of people's minds. And unfortunately, uh, there's still some races that haven't been called yet. Um, it's looking like the uh, Georgia race is going to potentially go into the runoff category. Um, so there's a lot of things happening still. This is you know still developing in many situations. But before we get started, I would like to thank our friends at Arkin Optics for supporting our videos. If you're looking for an awesome, ruggedized precision optic that you can get for a very fair price with a fantastic warranty, check them out. They've got real-world experience from the field. Many military veterans work for this company. Their reticles are awesome. They've survived multiple torture tests that we've subjected them to. And these optics, they hold up really, really great for the money. Check them out. There's actually some of the earlier Gym 1 um, options that are on sale for a really great price right now. So go check them out, Arkin Optics, and tell them we sent you. What we really wanted to do in today's gun gripe is kind of talk about the potential negative connotations for gun owners uh, that could result from the 2022 election. Um, you know, I know we were expecting like this red wave scenario and a lot of the political pundits were really calling for this crazy red wave to occur in the elections and everything like that. And, you know, and now when we look at Florida, now Florida was was an absolute tsunami uh, of a red wave. Um, but other than Florida and a few other areas, we didn't really quite see that movement that people were really expecting in terms of that. Yeah, I mean, all the, the polls leading up to uh, Election Day, a lot of the conservative talking heads were saying, well, you know, a lot of conservatives, they don't really pick up the phone when the pollsters call. They're they're working or, you know, whatever the excuse is. So and it's it's traditionally a thing for the party in power to lose control of Congress to some degree in the midterms. I mean, like, I think the percentage is like 85% of the time they do, right? We're hoping that the House is going to get a decent conservative majority to bring a little bit more balance. Well, the know. last time I looked, it was showing that it might only be one or two seats. Well, Putting look, it slightly over the uh, over the majority. That That's enough. I mean, as long as it's over, as long as it's 218, I think we're fine, but... You know, the big thing with with this election cycle is, do we really want two more years of this nonsense? And it's just surprising to me that the majority of people seem to have that that feeling like, hey, we want two more years of high inflation, you know, potential war, you know, with Russia. I mean, yeah, these are the things that I thought people were most concerned about based on all the polling data. But I don't know. That's don't right, know, man. Yeah, uh, it it's been pretty crazy. I mean, there's a lot of different things that are on people's minds, and I, I know that you know the way that we deal with things on the channel here. You know, we're primarily a gun channel, and that's the guys under which I really want today's gun gripe to be about is is the firearms connotations that could you know come from this. Um, however, you know, it's just important to recognize right that you know people are upset about a myriad of different issues: the economy, inflation. Roe v. Wade and the whole abortion mm -hmm. fiasco and everything. There's a lot of different, you know, thoughts about that. And, and that, of course, is in these voters' minds as they're going to the polls and everything like that. 
Um, of course, the war in Ukraine and, and all of the aid that we've been sending over there, um, you know, that's going to be in people's minds. But really, just this inflation is is really wrecking a lot of people. I mean, I, I saw something on online the other day where a guy was having to, like, sell blood in order to pay for fuel because he was just, you know, so hard up that you're having to, like, sell body parts or give blood or take odd jobs or take on multiple jobs just to be able to make ends meet. And it's really terrible to see that people are going through such a rough time with this economy. And I find it very difficult to believe that people would would vote knowingly for, for, for more of that, you know. Um, there is, I believe, a scenario, Chad, where I think there's a lot of dang people. And, and you know what? I, I want to include myself in this uh, to say that, you know, maybe both sides of this political paradigm are really just two sides of the same coin mm -hmm. and that, you know, really one is driving the speed limit and the other one isn't. And when you look at like Fetterman, OK, getting elected over uh, Ahmed Oz. Now, look, Dr. Oz was not the greatest candidate, I will admit. I, I think that he was not a very solid candidate. But gosh, Fetterman, I mean, like to listen to him speak. I mean, it's just a utter fiasco listening to this guy talk. Well, you know? recently, you know, he did have a stroke, I believe. So, I mean, he was he's damaged goods at this point, like mentally. And he was having a hard time during the debate because his medical condition was I mean, you know, kind of developed right before that debate. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was, it was hard to watch. And, and you know, and, and look, to be fair, you know, it's it's never good to see anybody go through mm. something like that. I mean, you know. I wouldn't wish it on I on wouldn't any. wish it on anybody. Um, but, you know, I think, too, I think we have to mention that, uh, you know, I think one big point of contention is Trump and the support for his candidates. I mean, like, look at the race with Walker. You know, mm -hmm. in Warnock, in Georgia here. I mean, very hotly contested. And Walker was endorsed by Trump. Oz was, I believe, endorsed by Trump. I mean, he's touting a bunch of victories across the country, but in key races, you know, he, he lost. And we saw, like, the contention between him and Brian Kemp and the contention between him and Ron DeSantis. And then right. look at the at the wide margins in which they it's won. Like almost twenty percent on DeSantis in Florida over the the Democrat nominee. And Stacey you know. Abrams, uh, you know, lost by a pretty considerable margin. I would well, say what ten to twelve percent, which is a pretty solid margin. No, last time I looked, it was uh, Kemp was at like fifty three and a half percent or so, something like that. And a half. Um, but like it's it's a wider margin for Georgia because Georgia is in that battleground status now. I mean, we're just like like Ohio was a lot of years ago. And as far as a federal level, Georgia's purple now. Yeah. You know, but on a state level, we're still quite red. But um, I think looking forward to the next two years, it's going to be it's going to be a, a war between Trump and DeSantis and the party's going to have to choose which route they want to go. But what does it mean for guns? Well, you know, you know, and and that's the thing. So, you know, the Bruin decision does change quite a few things. Okay, so so getting to the actual gun gripe area, I mean, we we see that there are still, you know, some, uh, you know, there's still some election results that are trickling down. I know they're still counting in Arizona. They're still counting in I think in Nevada and a couple of other key states and everything like that. So, um, I think the original idea was that we were going to, you know, get around 53 Senate seats, which are 54 Senate seats, which I think that's definitely shooting a little high. Doubtful. Um, but, so right now <clears throat> it's looking like it's probably going to be like a, a 
pretty much straight down the middle of the line split in the Senate. And that's if we're lucky, um, you know, at best, right? Like a lot of times in a runoff election, you know, not as many people show up for runoff elections and they usually put a lot of money into runoff. So if the Warnock Walker uh, race goes into a runoff, that'll be December 6th. Um, so maybe that could gain some ground. Maybe people would get out and be motivated and push Walker uh, over the finish line and we can get that Senate seat. Um, but it's not looking incredibly good for the Senate. And even if we just have a decent little majority in the House and take back quite a few House seats, which we did do that, um, you know, it could certainly slow down the process, if not completely put a, a, a you know a wrench in the gears of the process for the next two years for any potential anti-gun legislation that may or may not you know try to to come down. Okay, we know that um, the H, the HR was eighteen oh eight, the assault weapons ban, essentially, where, where it's like they've always got one sort of just sitting on the table ready to go um, when we have this new Congress. Uh, come into play. I mean, does that mean they're going to dust that off and try to push it through again? All right. Will it go anywhere? Probably not. Uh, if we have some decent, you know, gravity within the House, at least, you know, even if we get one, maybe two Senate seats above uh, the, 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 the middle margin, we'd be good. I mean, yeah, we may not get 54, but if we could get 51, we'll take mm -hmm. 51. If we could get two or three seats over the, over the simple 50-50 split in the House, we'll take it, mm -hmm. right? We'll take what we can get. But I think that people expected this to be a giant red landslide, and it wound up being much more down the middle, uh, which really goes to show just how divided Americans are on many issues, right? Um, this balkanization that we've discussed in previous gun gripes and in previous podcasts, you know, where, you know, you see this balkanization occurring. I mean, look at the mass exodus to Florida, to Texas, right? Now, um, Texas only had a governor's uh, race in this election. They didn't have any, uh, you know, any of the other seats uh, up for grabs other than just the governor's seat. But when you look at Florida, look at the huge red wave in Florida that occurred and look at all of those conservatives that openly said on social media, hey, we're moving to Florida. And, and you know, maybe you've taken so many Republican voters out of other states and put them in Florida that now it's a disproportionate amount of Republicans that live in that one state. And now the other states have much less Republican representation. So it'll be really interesting to see how the presidential election goes. And um, anyway, in terms of guns, you know, the Bruin standard does give us some meat to chew on. And I think that's really the one saving grace we have uh, that we're sitting on is, is, you know, this new Bruin standard really does change things. It is for sure. And we've seen stuff going through the courts already that is using the Bruin decision to overturn um, concealed carry laws in states where, you know, they had pretty draconian policies in place. Um, so it's opening up concealed carry. Uh, it's opening up the possibility for open carry in a lot of these places, maybe constitutional carry in some more states. And look um, at all the states that have passed constitutional yep. carry in the last few years. I mean, we are getting mm -hmm. some movement on that. We are. But I think, too, like, as long as the House, as long as the Republicans get a little bit of a majority in the House and it can be a balancing act, I mean, the next two years isn't going to mean anything for either side without compromise on both sides. That means no new gun laws are going to get passed, most likely. I mean, I don't really see anything like that. No assault weapons bans, scares are going to come down. But I think that certain representatives will position themselves for 2024, you know, in just the dog and pony show. Like, we're just going to introduce this bill and see where it goes because, hey, this is where we stand on both sides. It's just like we've seen with the... Bills to repeal the NFA, bills to repeal uh, or um, 
to uh, remove suppressors from the registry, things like that. They're literally just a show, just show where the candidate stands. But knowing think, that they won't gain any movement yeah, or traction. Yeah. But like since 2016, this has just been crazy. I mean, mm. and like even if in 2024 a Republican is elected to the White House and say both houses of Congress are red, it doesn't mean anything's going to get done. Look what got done between 2016 and 2018. I mean, look what happened, right? Trying to get the Hearing Protection Act passed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we've talked about that in so many other videos. It's not even funny, but it's it's always good to kind of reference historical aspects of this stuff. And you kind of grow and learn in in politics that, like, what you're seeing now is a more representative example of what America is. Like, we are divided. Yeah, we're, we're a great melting pot. And I think that's shown on the federal and the state levels. I mean, look at Georgia, for example. Georgia is a red state. But on a federal level, we're more purple. And like my county used to be solid red. But, you know, we've gone very Democratic in the past few election cycles. Um, you know, we went for Hillary in 2016, right? And then, um, you know, Warnock for um, uh, for the other senator in 2018, I guess, when that special election came Ossoff, up. I Ossoff, Ossoff, yeah. What's his name? Um, but, dude, like my county's blue as it can be. Um, we're barely hanging on by a thread here where we're at. I'm one County over from, yeah. from Chad, but, um, you know, the, the demographics like politically are changing a lot and it's unfortunate, but honestly, I'd rather have a mixed bag, you know, than a full democratic control because then they're going to try to shove all the new gun laws down our throats. And we have to fight like we've been fighting over the past couple of years, trying to get the word out on the stuff and then being shadow banned on social media and people not, getting this this news and this information in a timely manner. Mm. I mean, the the suppression is is still fairly real. I mean, but we've seen some some ground gained in that arena a bit, you know, with some of the social media giants and I mean, we'll see how the the Twitter takeover goes as far as that's concerned. But um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting in the next 2 years, but well, I think there's two important points of contention to kind of think about. And I just want to bring them up quickly while they're on, you know, the top of my head. One is, you know, Trump made some people angry in in, in this, okay? And DeSantis also positioned himself for a potential presidential run. I mean, DeSantis right now for the GOP is the most presidential candidate they have. He he has the best presidential material, in my opinion. You know, I, I think a ticket. Now, we'll have to see how Kerry Lake does. I think Kerry Lake is a battle axe. I want to see DeSantis and Kerry Lake run. That that's a ticket that I'd vote for, right? Now I I don't think you're ever going to see a Trump DeSantis ticket because I think they're they're Absolutely they're, not. they're 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 two personality types that clash so much and they want the spotlight so much. I don't think that would work out well. But we'll be it'll be interesting to see who uh, the GOP nominates for for 2024. And honestly, I think it's looking more like DeSantis. I mean, after seeing the way those numbers shook down in 2022 for these elections. That is one heck of a ticket right there. I mean, that, that, that's looking real attractive to them right now for sure. And then um, also another point of contention that I think is, is important um, to sort of think about too is the administrative state and this rulemaking clause and Chevron deference. So, all right, because we're seeing some change, right, maybe we get a little bit of a tiny majority in the Senate and the House, just enough to be cozy right now. But does that mean that we're going to try to reel in 
you know, the administrative state? Does that mean that the Supreme Court is going to try to reel in the administrative state? Um, I saw a uh, post the other day uh, from the Supreme Court blog, which I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I guess I should have had it ready here on Twitter. I do have the Twitter deck pulled up on the screen. Um, but I saw a point where uh, the Supreme Court uh, was going to make a ruling on, um, let's just say, or they were going to hear a case related to Chevron deference, related to this rulemaking process, and they wound up saying, you know what, we, we don't really feel like this is enough to pass the smell test. We want something that's going to be a little bit more universally concrete uh, for that rulemaking process as a whole holistic administrative tool. Um, I'll try to locate that. Uh, and, and show you guys, but it's just interesting footnote to think about, right? We have the Bruin standard, which changes things, right? Right now, we have a decent Supreme Court that seems to be willing to want to hear 2A cases. They seem to be willing to, you know, want to try to reel in some of that administrative abuse that's occurring. So I think that's the bull in the room, Chad. Now, I know you're going to get on to demographics here in a minute, but that's the bull in the room people need to be considering, too, is, all right, this incoming Congress... Are they willing to grab the bull by the horns and and say, hey, we're going to reel in the administrative state and we're going to remove um, this this commonly abused administrative process that's being used to infringe on the Second Amendment? And I think that's the big question, you know, like this brace mm-hmm. thing and frame and receiver rule, which is already getting kind of kicked around a bit. Then you see what's going on with New York and their carry law. So. You know, will Chevron deference see its end and will the Supreme Court see our way on that? And will they hear a case that is so, you know, highly touted that it it, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it removes all of the power from these alphabet agencies to abuse uh, the rulemaking process? Well, the bottom line is the court needs a case that can set a very wide ranging standard. That's that's the big thing. I think that's where so, SCOTUS is looking right now. They're trying to find that perfect low-hanging fruit that's going to really, you know, affect the maybe, most of it. Like what's going on with New York, they're trying to wiggle their way out of Bruin and institute laws around the new ruling and a lot of those laws are likely going to get put back into the courts. And we here we are going through the cycle. That's Once right. again, and I think that's what we're going to see a lot in the next couple of years. Is and these, you're, you're going to see cycles. these situations taking like years to mm-hmm. work out. They always do. And, you know, it takes years in this case, years in that mm-hmm. case. And before you know it, it's like a decade later, you're still in the same spot. You're still spinning your wheels. And what, you know, we're only getting older. You're a decade older. And it's like, before you know it, you're an old man and, and things have just been the same. And, and they've just been squeaking their wheels the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's my um, concern. So, like, with the the influx of new gun owners over the past few years, you know, since 2020, since COVID and all that nonsense, right? Um, That's been interesting to see how that kind of worked out politically, right? Um, I thought that a lot of people would kind of change their minds. They saw the crap that was going on, and maybe they did in certain places. But overall, I don't think there was really, like, a general consensus on that. It seemed like you know, in some places, a lot of people were, they were okay with COVID restrictions. Like I was not okay with COVID restrictions and I made my voice heard, but, um, I I expected a little bit more of a, of a turnout against that sort of ideal, which definitely comes from the democratic liberal side, you know, especially with the progressives and such. But, um, I, um, I think that moving forward, you know, I'm I'm curious to see like what gun sales are going to be like, especially if there's a decent majority 
uh, for the Republicans in the House, and you've got sort of a lame duck Congress, if you will, that's really not going to get anything done on that account. Um, if people will feel safe as far as like guns being banned and such, again, gun sales will slow down. The industry will kind of come back to normal. Maybe ammunition will come back down to normal. So as long as the demand slows, the economy will kind of, you know, even out as far as, um, you know, firearms and ammunition sales and stuff go. But, um, I don't know. I you mean, know, there, I, there's a lot still kind of up in the air, even like right now, cause yeah. we're not done. So, and, and that is, that's one of the difficulties in making a video like this because the information that we have available to us right now is changing so rapidly that, you know, it, it could be different. So here's the thing. If you're tuning into this video, you know, seek out the most up-to-date information that you can. This is just a snapshot of it today. I mean, the time is 11, 11.13 a.m. Wednesday, November 9th. So look, this is right after the elections. There's still some things coming down the pipeline. We may revisit this in a few weeks, perhaps, uh, depending on what goes on. I mean, I just saw a Twitter uh, post uh, come up. Uh, let's see where they were saying that now they're saying that that Warnock is showing a 95% chance of winning even now. And that's without going to a runoff. So mm. we, we could lose that Georgia Senate seat. We could not. It could go to runoff right now. We simply don't know yet. And mm. there are still many points of contestion. Um, I noticed here it says that there are almost 900,000 ballots in Arizona that still have not been counted yet. Mm -hmm. So look, we ain't out of the woods yet on this, okay? Uh, Blake Masters' race was not looking too good earlier this morning, um, you know, which, you know, they had the Libertarian candidate drop out and endorse Masters, which he would think would, would sort of help there. But again, there are still ballots being counted um, in Arizona, so don't fret. Uh, here's the thing, y'all. The Second Amendment ain't going nowhere, right? The Bruin standard changes things a lot, and mm -hmm. we have to... You know, look, it's important not to rest on your laurels, right? We need to continue fighting. It, it, the state battles are super important, right? I mean, when you look at what happened in Florida, that is the standard by which how the GOP needs to be running their their elections, right? They're doing a fantastic job in Florida. They have a super majority in the state Senate, in the House, and the Senate. You know what I mean? So at the at the state legislature, they have a supermajority all around. They got DeSantis back in. Things are looking golden for him, right? Mm -hmm. So it'll be really interesting to see. And also, um, I forget exactly uh, who it is that handles the carry permits for Florida, uh, but that, that seat got turned over too. It was this Democrat lady or some, whatever, and then she lost her seat. So there's a lot of that going on. Uh, I think that it ended up being six seats just in um, Florida alone that flipped red. So uh, there was a red wave, just not necessarily in the way that all of the pundits originally uh, figured that it may occur in. And I think that the connotations for gun owners are not, you know, I wouldn't say incredibly negative, but it's something to keep an eye on. I guess that's mm. probably the best way to look at it. So just in synopsis, all right, um, just a couple of things to clarify too. Sure. Uh, in Georgia, the reason that we would go to a runoff is because neither candidate reached 50% plus one vote. So we have a law in Georgia that a candidate must receive 50% plus one, right, to win a general election. Um, a lot of states don't have that rule. So as long as they have a majority of the votes, then they win. So they could be under 50%. So that's why we continually go into runoffs in Georgia, it seems. That's been the, the normal thing. Um the other thing is, 
that I think that, uh, you know, where new laws aren't going to get passed to solidify and like, uh, codify, um, certain aspects of, um, you know, protecting the two way more. I think that a lot of that's going to happen in the court system, uh, in the future. I think that's kind of the, the route that we're going based on the, the current political climate. Um, it really seems that that's going to be the way moving forward is fighting things in the court more so than fighting them in the, uh, in the Congress. Yep. And also, um, what was the other thing I was thinking about just now? Oh, all right. So look, this is something I told Eric the other day and it makes me ill. All right. You see all these mainstream media outlets and these people on social media posting about protecting our democracy. Oh, you have to vote to protect our democracy. We, all right, look, repeat after me. We are not a democracy. The United States is a constitutional republic okay so please correct these people when they say oh well our democracy is threatened we don't have mob rule in this country it is a constitutional republic to be very specific thank you very much good day (laughs) here's a very important uh, point of contention before we go to i just want to show here um here's a couple of numbers that should be concerning right All right, this is from uh, John Della Volpe. One thing I know already, if not for voters under the age of 30, tonight would have been a red wave. CNN national host exit poll. Uh, With Republicans up 13 and Republicans up 11, those age groups were 65 plus and 45 to 64. But in the 30 to 44 and the 18 to 29 category, there were 28 up between 18 and 29. So basically Gen Z... Uh, kind of helped out the Democrats big time, yeah. at least according to this oh, exit poll. Look, I'm going to tell you, I've got I've got family, you know, in Gen Z, and they're a bunch of idiots. Give them about ten years, and they'll smarten up a bit. I think that's. I hope we have ten years. I, I hope so, but like a lot of these kids that are out voting, like they know absolutely nothing. They really mm. don't. You know, sometimes it's willful ignorance. And, you know, look, sometimes, look, ignorance is a choice, okay? And I think that's what's so interesting about, you know, Elon Musk purchasing Twitter, right? Matt and I did an entire hour-long podcast about the Musk Twitter takeover, but it'll be really interesting because he seems to want to have, you know, a town square, an open forum for people to discuss things. Now, will that mean that the flow of ideas will be so open that people will start to do a little bit more research and therefore maybe become more better informed? Maybe there'll be more independent voices out there that can just lay the facts out and people will actually seek those facts out and cure their ignorance. That Mm -hmm. time will tell. Who knows, right? I mean, people tend to be very (laughs) lazy, when it comes to seeking out information and, you know, unfortunately it's a huge problem in this country. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how things go. I mean, this election didn't quite go the way everyone thought it would. All right. I, I think, look, I want to mention it. I, I don't like talking about it, but I think one other reason too, that we didn't see as much of a red turnover was because of the Roe v. Wade over overturning uh, that, that leak, you know, and all. Um, and just, just the, the fiercity that Republicans across the country went after abortion. You know, I've got some interesting views on abortion and religion and things like that. We're not going to go into that in this video, but, um, seems like they should have cooled their jets during an election. Yeah. It just, 
strategically, it was a very poor decision on their part. You know, and honestly, I think it was a poor decision on the Supreme Court to, um, well, I mean, it leaked, but I don't know when they were planning on releasing it. It may have been after the election. I don't know, but someone leaked it and we still don't know who, but I think that was a major, you know, turning point as well in people's minds, especially suburban women, which is a huge political demographic, you know, a lot of times for the Democrats and, you know, trying to sway those minds of those women. It's hard when you're talking about like body autonomy and things like that. Um, we could get into a whole other discussion about it, but um, look, guys, I don't support abortion. Okay, so don't think that. But um, it, it was a strategic disaster for the Republicans. Yeah, you know? I agree, and I think there were, there were many situations where Mitch McConnell opened his big mouth too, Man, and he didn't guy, really help either, dude. But um, you know, as far as guns go, I think you know it. It, it seems like guns are likely safe. Oh, for another two years. Woohoo, right? <laughs> I mean, so th- this is the <laughs> thing that we're going on now. Like, we're going on two-year cycles as far as the potential of losing your damn rights. And it shouldn't be this way. I still don't understand why it's such a huge um, point between both parties with guns. Like, why can't everybody just meet in the middle? Because it is a constitutional right. It's not a Republican right. It's not a Democratic right. It's a right for all people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, I, it, it just boggles my mind to think that there aren't people on the other side of the aisle out there who don't want to defend themselves. I know there's a lot of them out there, but there's a lot of people too that and they don't might, want you to defend yourself. They, they might say one thing, but they got a gun at home. Believe you me, they just might not tell anybody about it. But I think everybody wants to protect themselves to a certain degree, you know, as they should. It's just not made as public as the other side. I agree. So anyways, look, guys, things are going to be okay, right? Don't sweat it. I just wanted, you know, we wanted to make this gun gripe to kind of, you know, lay some things out there that we think, you know, could happen. I think Bruin does change things considerably. That's one huge win that we got for the 2A world. And we'll see where that takes us. Again, two very important things. Bruin. And also, all right, will this new administration do something to reel in the administrative state on this rulemaking fiat that they're using to come up with all these random gun control uh, that doesn't go through Congress? That mm. is what I, I am going to find to be the most interesting thing. Are we going to battle this out in the courts and are we going to win? Mm. I remain cautiously optimistic, right? But I think the answer is yes, we can come out on top mm-hmm. using Bruin standard. Now, it's going to take some time. <clears throat> And some money, but we'll get there. Well, thank you all for watching our program. Tune back in tomorrow night for more news. <laughs> all right. Y'all have yourselves a good one. Thanks so much for tuning in. Many, many more videos on the way. No, Chad is not dead. We have many more gun gripes on the way. I hope you all have a great day. Keep your chin up. Life is going to be okay. We'll see you soon. I'm going to go recommit myself. Thank you. <laughs>